The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is back at it. And uh, we are loaded up. Good to be with you. Uh, any updates? Uh, we will spin the wheel and say, sure, why not? With the Nebraska coaching search, uh, we'll dive in and get some thoughts on some football and hoops with Mike Babcock. Some Tiger reaction uh, from Mike Schuhart from Wilderness Ridge here at about 30 minutes. And I, I'm going to get uh, some some info, some insight in the 5 o'clock hour from uh, some great minds as well. Uh, we'll hear from Jim Walden, former Nebraska assistant, coach in Iowa State at Washington State. Jim's seen and, and done a lot in college football and uh, is as wise as it gets. Uh, get his take on that CEO opportunity that exists for for coach frost and you want to talk about the the ceo part of the role being tested elijah think about uh, your busy week right you're about ready to graduate you're getting things handled you're nailing surveys you're doing papers you may or may not have a final to, to worry about and you're wrapping up class so that last semester you're juggling you're juggling a ton i remember it well but some of us uh, in the on the show today are, are academic all-stars. Some are not. We'll let you determine who that is. Elijah's a uh, pretty smart dude. So you're, you're, you're having to prioritize and knock out everything at a high level. Well, you want to talk about um, this welcome to CEO world? Scott Frost is doing the following this week. You're on the road recruiting. You're interviewing coaches. You're trying to figure out who who can I get with this whacked out, shake up earthquake in the world of college football with some premier jobs open. Guys, you want on staff still on the trail for other schools, potentially. And then, oh, by the way, you've got some uh, some love that needs to be shown towards an Adrian, a Cam uh, and uh, Damian Daniels. Those are three big pillars for you for 2022, you can argue. So that that's the trifecta, man. Interviewing, getting my staff put together, recruiting, keeping an eye or both on the portal, and then let's make sure Cam Jurgens and, and Damian Daniels and Adrian Martinez have a, an opportunity to come back. Uh, and while you're at it, start sweet-talking Austin Allen. Congrats, number 11, first-team all-Big Ten tight end. 
That is incredible. Cam Jurgens, third team, all Big Ten center. Numbers to get in today at 466-377-766-800-825-5865. can uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal uh, with Twitter. Chris at AleVarsity.com, the email. So, Elijah, you're hearing things. I'm hearing things. And I think the longer things go, it it just it muddies things up if you're trying to land Mickey Joseph. I know we talked to Mitch Sherman yesterday. He made an incredible point. I've reached out to a couple of folks that, that know Mickey. And Mickey's got so much going for him. A, the, the fact he's been a, a really accomplished coach. He's recruited well. And, and he's, he is... New Orleans. He is Louisiana. He's well respected. It's not just that he's the, the homegrown kid. No, he's he's done really well down at LSU in his time. He's been responsible along with Corey Raymond uh, for really making things hum uh, with with LSU football and, and their recruiting, as well as Bill Bush, who's here uh, for Nebraska. So I think the the best thing to say is this. Uh, it's going to happen when it happens, and that's obvious. But from a time a timeline and a tea leaf standpoint, listen this this decision and timing has all been affected with uh, the process. The hiring process is all screwed up because of Brian Kelly leaving for LSU, and Brian Kelly today talking to uh, members of the media down there is not made any decisions yet. Uh, this was right after his introductory press conference. He's not had any individual conversations. So, listen, the narrative isn't coming from from him with who's here and who's gone. Coy Raymond's retained. He's your recruiting coordinator. But as Mitch mentioned, and we've kind of talked about if we're if we're weighing the pros and cons, if we're if we're putting ourselves into Mickey Joseph's number two jersey, home or away, and you're weighing things out. You're busy. You're getting phone calls. You're getting phone calls from other programs. You've probably had phone calls from Nebraska. If you're Nebraska, how do you play this? Are you going to go the Notre Dame approach with Jack Schwarbrick? Well, uh, fit's most important, so we'll wait. If you're Nebraska, are you going to wait for Mickey Joseph? And I think you should, absolutely. But you want to kind of get moving to round this thing out. So uh, is, is there going to be an announcement Friday? Is it going to be Saturday? Is it going to be beginning of next week? I think everything's been pushed back for all four names you want. So if, if you can still get Mickey Joseph, if, if, if you let it be on his timeline, because if he gets punted by LSU, idiotic decision, but you get paid for two years and you get the, the Bill Bush kind of rate where someone else is paying a money salary and not that that's a huge thing but it's it's a reality uh collect what you're owed if you're mickey joseph if you're not retained if you are retained get a bump and keep doing your thing uh and lastly the appeal of nebraska barry switzer said something yesterday to adam rittenberg uh about you and, and barry's he I mean he's a he's a national treasure but just being able to recruit off of tradition can happen. You're not guaranteed to live 
in the neighborhood you've lived in for so many years. And Nebraska's case in point, when you make a move from the Big 12 to the Big 10, it's been rough. And it's been rough with coaching changes. Oklahoma's a bit worried right now. We'll see if they end up going with defensive-minded Brent Venables. That sounds to me like the guy. There was some scuttlebutt about Matt Rule. Don't know if that's a reality or not. I've heard conflicting reports on that. But to, to Mickey Joseph, you wait and you just get a yes. And if I'm wrong tomorrow, if at 5.30, Mickey Joseph, the news comes down that he's in, awesome. But if I'm a betting man, I, I think I don't think he's headed to Lincoln. Been wrong before, built, will be wrong again. I just think it makes too much sense. The only thing Brian Kelly has in common in Louisiana is his faith. And that there's a number of Catholics down there. God love him. Other than that, you need all the Mickey Josephs uh, in the world uh, as part of your staff that can go to inner city Louisiana, I should say New Orleans, can go to the rural parts of Louisiana, and you're accomplished. Mm-hmm. So it's a monster tough sell for for Nebraska or anybody else knocking on Mickey's door. And he's still recruiting. And he's still going into living rooms for LSU. At least that was the case as of last night. So I think that light might be dimming on Mickey. Uh, Donovan Riola is the other name that we're hearing a lot about. I've checked in again with some buddies in Hawaii that uh, are closer to the Riola crew. And, I mean, that that's intriguing. And the more I hear about Riola, the better... I feel yesterday I felt like, well, is Nebraska settling? And I know you, Elijah, were, were kind of intrigued at what Army does, what their offensive line configuration's been like. Well, uh, to, to get back to Joseph briefly, there's just been so much smoke with Mickey Joseph this week that you got to think there, there's some sort of fire there. But then you I co- have no doubt Nebraska's reached out. Yeah, but, but the question becomes whenever it's been this long and he's got a new head coach coming in who I'm sure he's been in contact with, and he still hasn't said yes to Nebraska, it starts to worry you. And especially with how fluid the coaching carousel has been this offseason, you don't know what it's going to look like 48 hours from now, let alone a week from now. Can you afford to wait for a guy to make a decision? I mean, you've got to have a plan B ready to go immediately if Mickey Joseph's not your, not your guy. So the question becomes, who is Nebraska talking to now, assuming Mickey Joseph is now uh, not going to happen just because – I don't know. It's It's been long enough now that I think Mickey Joseph has had time to ponder this. Oh, completely. And, and Mickey's got to do what's what's best for him. What's his best move? Put yourself in his shoes. If you get a chance to stay, why wouldn't you? Period. End of discussion. Don't he, care. Don't care. As important as that red end is to him, why would you? The you guy, have, you the, have a chance to coach under one of the most experienced and prolific coaches in college football currently coaching in the sport right now. Well, that's listen. Uh, as far as reasons to stay, working for Brian Kelly and making my top five, fair enough. But went from from a success standpoint. Now, the other side of this is here's the other thing. What's Mickey want? What's what's Mickey's big picture? He's early fifties. By mid fifties, does he want a, a, a job, a, a chance as a head coach? What lanes do you want to be in? And if you come to Nebraska as recruiting coordinator and wide receivers coach, do you eventually maybe get a get a bump up to a head coaching job somewhere? Do you have a better chance of doing that in Lincoln 
You have a better chance of doing that while down at LSU. His comfort zone's been the South. And he's worked from GA to high school coach to La Tech to JUCO. I mean, he has done it all, man. He has grinded. He has earned it. He has, he has worked his way up, and, and he's developed uh, a three-star wideout named Jamar Chase and many, many others. Okay, So it isn't like all this NFL talent's falling into his lap there are kernels of nfl talent that he has helped develop into flat out must see sunday guys so there's that question the o-line part and you need this configuration we still don't know what the hell's going on with oc well can i get your take on this what do you think the, the more important hire is whenever you look at what happened with nebraska's offense this year i mean we know it's offensive line you, mean, you, you know the scott frost offense has potential but the downfall this year was that you couldn't get a running game going you couldn't protect your quarterback and the offense was still doing well statistically in spite of the offensive line. So you know the offense can work, but so that's I'm, I'm with you on this one. you got to think the offensive line coach is the most important position to get right this offseason. Well, and, and the other question is this. You get a phone call from Scott Frost right now or Trev Alberts well, from Scott Frost right now. You're going to listen. You're going to weigh it. There are better options. The, the one saving grace as far as where Nebraska's at right now is that you're not out trying to go get a head coach. Mm-hmm. With everything that's shaken up. Not that you couldn't have found somebody, but you want to talk about uh, the old line to the buffet after Sunday church? There are names and and bodies dropping out because they're being hired, but it was a long, long line, and and that would have been tough for Nebraska. It's going to be interesting looking ahead here at at future coaching carousels after this year to see what the what the Never again. Never again like this one. You don't think so? Well, I think it depends on how uh, Lincoln Riley and uh, Brian Kelly do early on in their tenures at USC. If USC is going 10-2 and next season, after you paid your coach $100 million to come, other schools in the country are going to look at that and go, well, if we want success, maybe we need to to dish out $100 million to go find success. And it's the same with Brian Kelly down at LSU. If he finds success immediately, you got to think that this might have lasting results, lasting uh, reverberations throughout mm-hmm. college football. And you wonder, well, what's the coaching carousel going to look like next year? But on the flip side of things, if these uh, if these big swings end up being misses on guys like Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, which I don't think they will be, but if they do end up being swings and misses, you might have a, a return back to normalcy next year. So it's going to be interesting to track, especially how those two coaches do in their first year at their new schools. My question is this. When and if a rate a reset year happens, what's it look like? Is SC eight and four in the Holiday Bowl? Is Notre Dame eight and five in Music City? Just throwing out names. And and how many? How often do you have reset years? Mm-hmm. Okay, Nebraska's trying to get to a reset year where. You've won eight or nine ball games, and, and you fall back to a six and six or a seven and five. Minnesota's had them. Wisconsin's had them. Iowa's had them. Penn State's had a couple recently in a row. This feels more like a reset year in their context for Ohio State at ten and two. This is this is the the jump year for Michigan. So a, a guy that can help uh, have more winning and fewer reset years or, or the Mickey Josephs of the world in finding that right offensive line coach. I, it, it is important in the world of offensive line coaches, you can find coaches that are 
in position because of, of being on staff? I mean, LSU's offensive line coach, he's the acting head coach right now. That guy's pretty well respected. Pretty sure he was at Doan with Tommy Frazier. So th- there's, there's that option as well. You have Raiola, but that's, that's the name you hear. And he's done college work as a GA at Notre Dame. He's been with the Bears. He's learned under a pretty good guy. Now Bears fans will scream about the offensive line. I think there's talent, and I think it kind of comes down to streamlining and developing. They've got guys that can pass block. They have guys that can run block. You just got to be able to build some more depth and refine what you have. Because I promise you, there's a lot of football left for Ethan Piper. There's a lot of football left for Ben Hart. There's a lot of football left for Turner, uh, for Neary. And you're praying there's a lot of football left for Cam Jurgens. You've seen him jump from a non-center to uh, one of the best in the Big Ten. Mike Babcock, away in. Hale Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The gentleman, Jim Walden, longtime coach, and uh, part of Nebraska and Coach Devaney uh, in about 35 minutes. His take on the carousel and what's uh, the task at hand for Coach Frost with these hires. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Husker Insider with Hale Varsity, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, I started a long, strange trip on Amazon last night. I'm, I'm through uh, one and a half episodes of the 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 Grateful Dead uh, kind of documentary and kind of the vault stuff. It's really cool from the beginnings to uh, when they were getting ready to kick off uh, Europe 72. It's been a long, strange trip for this this waiting game for the the Nebraska fans to fill out this coaching staff. How are you? I know. I'm I'm, I'm doing well. I should have been on after Jim Walden that I could – Agree with everything he said. <laughs> Sound pretty smart. Um, You'll do that anyway. You'll be good. <laughs> the only coach that uh, you know in 25 seasons, Tom Osborne only lost once to a team that finished the season with a losing record. Jim Walden, Iowa State, 1992. Jim told me about that game uh, a while back, and he still has a picture of the final scoreboard, 19 to 10, and. That was right after whacking Colorado and Kansas and uh, the prelude before OU and in, in Nebraska. Really good team in 92. Didn't show up in Ames that day. I think it took 45 minutes to play because they ran some option. Merv Seiler and uh, wasn't on TV. I just remember being heartbroken. I was down to Lawrence that weekend watching Nebraska, I should say, Colorado, Kansas. Went down with some family members who was at KU. 
and and that was the the big eight game of the weekend, right? Who's who's going to be the co big eight kind of kind of front runner with Nebraska? And Nebraska had beaten both of them, and everyone gets back to the fraternity house after <laughs> after uh, Colorado escapes Lawrence with a win and. Everyone just looks like their blood has been drained because Nebraska did lose in Ames, and Jimmy Walden still has that picture in his office uh, to make sure the score doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. You know, it seemed like I remember being there, and it seemed like it was about 45 minutes, and it was over. It's like you looked at the final score, and it's like this game's over with already <laughs> because all they did was run the ball, and that's all Nebraska did. And uh, it, it didn't work out well. Weird ball game. Mike, uh, shake the magic eight ball, bud, uh, with with where things are at. Are, are you concerned that we don't have names yet, or is that just kind of what's going on because of the upheaval with the coaching carousel? I think the upheaval, uh, you know, concerned, no. Confused, yes. Um, <laughs> the, it, I think it is. I think it's the coaching upheaval. And and here's the thing that Nebraska fans probably don't want to hear, but I don't know how attractive it is to come to Nebraska at this point. Do you? I mean, I it's know it's a hard sell, buddy. It's it'd be a hard, hard sell. There, there are folks out there, Mike. Don't you think? But it's not, it's not a slam dunk. You, you got to be right. You got to be right because you got to get it done next year. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. And so you're coming into a situation where you you, you might only have one year. If you don't get it done um, to uh, to succeed, and then you might be looking for a job again. I mean, that, that's part of it. But I, I just think that where Nebraska has dropped in the whole scheme of things, and you look at the programs that are now looking to fill out staffs, you know, making some changes and so forth, and the head coaches that are moving around and stuff, I just think it puts Nebraska in a more difficult situation than it was already in. It was already in a tough situation because of that, and uh, you're going into a you're coming into a place where uh, the coach or you know whomever um, decided to uh, get rid of four assistant coaches uh, while the season was still going on, and now you only know for sure that you got one year. How, how does that how does that play out, Mike? Do you think if Scott Frost could, could see how this coaching carousel would be going down this offseason with all the craziness that's already gone down in just a couple days. Do you think that he still would make the decision to fire those four offensive assistants, or, or do you think he would have been a little bit more conservative in making staff changes just knowing the craziness that was coming? Well, uh, you know, I don't know if he knew the craziness that was coming. Um, and, I, you know, I don't pretend to understand everything that went into that decision. You know, I don't think he was probably the only one that – was involved in making the decision, and I don't think that that was a, you know, there, there were a lot of factors probably that went into it, and it wasn't an easy decision, obviously. Um, I thought at the time, and I still think that it would have been better, you know, had you waited till the end of the season. But if you had waited till the end of the season, then you would see how things are going, and maybe you would have thought a little differently about how you were going to approach things, because you did have guys that, that, that knew your system or that knew your players had the connection there. Um, and, and, you know, I think that that's, I think that's important. I'm still interested to see what happens with the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a couple of running backs already uh, headed out and uh, you got a couple of guys that, uh, 
uh, and I'm not talking about uh, Cam Taylor, Britt, and Austin Allen, but I think you've got a couple of guys that have decided that they're not going to come back for whatever reason, um, though they could. Um, how that all plays out, it's just uh, it, it's just really um, when you hear coaches talking about the, the pieces of the puzzle, you know, Coach Frost talks about putting those pieces together. Man, the pieces to me are just scrambled all over the the, the puzzle board right now. Um, trying to put this stuff together. Mike, to your point, think about being somebody that you you want or target if you're Nebraska. And and I think you got a couple of really awesome internal options that, and I'm going to keep beating this drum, Bill Bush, hope it happens, think it'll happen. Ron Brown, hope it happens, think it'll happen. So your, your four spots are now down to, to, to two, but you still got OC, O-line, and potentially wide receivers coach unless you you have Ron do wide out or running back or you, you double up uh, Becton tight end wide out. I mean, you need, you need a, a, a fifth spot, honestly, uh, ideally, but that's not it. But think about being somebody that's pretty high level, that's been at, at some big-time places before, and you know LSU could call mm-hmm. you. You know OU could call you. You know Notre Dame could call you. You know SC could call you. You know Washington could call you. You know Florida could call you. And and then there's Nebraska with make sure you're renting mm-hmm. <laughs> with an option to buy. And, and that's just it. That's just the reality right now. Uh, a thought on, on, on Donovan Raiola. Let's talk O-line. We've heard Different O-line coaches mentioned John Garrison, incredible setup, and what he's done at NC State speaks for itself. So he'd be doing Nebraska a favor. Mickey Joseph would be doing Nebraska a favor. But it's just, I don't know. Riola is a guy that I think could work and do really well. And and he seems, from a situational standpoint, we don't know what Chicago's future is going to be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's there's some uncertainty there as well. And... uh uh, and so you know that might be a, something that he he would look at. I don't, you know, I don't know if you, if you, how excited you would be to go from the NFL to college, mm-hmm. um, kind of a thing. And you know, I like the uh, uh, let's have a conversation with John Garrison. I, I like that, mm-hmm. um, and, and I like the the, the two that you. You mentioned, you know, can you keep Bill Bush on? Can you make him a full-time assistant? And can you get Ron Brown to basically come out of retirement from coaching mm-hmm. and go back and do something? And, and uh, you know, he certainly could be uh, either or running backs or receivers. But I, I would say probably running backs mm-hmm. just because I think that you probably need to, to – uh, let Sean Beckton work with the wide receivers and the tight ends um, to kind of open up another position there. Um, I, I really, you know, when, when this whole thing uh, came about, you know, back with two games left, I really hoped that there was a chance that, hey, they maybe they could get Mickey Joseph mm-hmm. because – you know, uh, LSU was in disarray there. The Ed Orgeron was going to be stepping aside and whatever. And then that all kind of hit the hit the uh, hit the wall when uh, Brian Kelly was hired, um, because I think, as you've said, I think it would be foolish for him not to 
try to keep Mickey down there. Um, and, and Mickey's, you know, he's got the, the South and Louisiana are really where his his connections are, his comfort zone. All the time that he spent there as a coach, not just at LSU, but Grambling and mm-hmm. and Louisiana Tech and, and high schools in the New Orleans area, and you know he's really committed to that area um, to make it better and, and so forth. Um, so you know my thoughts about the chances to get Mickey Joseph are not good at this point, um, even though that's that's the one guy that I thought, man, you could bring him in there. He could coach the he could coach the quarterbacks, um, even though he's been a wide receivers coach. He could coach the quarterbacks. Good call. Um, and uh, I think he'd do, he he would do a great job. I, I just I really believe that. Um, and with his connections in the South, the recruiting would be uh, a really a positive. Um, but I don't. I'm not optimistic about getting getting Mickey. You know, I hope his name comes up. I hope there's some way they could convince him to come here. Um, but, uh, you know, all the things we've said about uh, the uncertainty of this situation leads me to believe that he probably, uh, if, if Brian Kelly isn't smart enough to realize how important it would be to keep him. He has safer options. Mike, a little less than a minute, bud. A yep. thought on, on hoops tonight, Nebraska, NC State. You feeling all right for for Fred and company? Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing how because I think we'll learn a lot here tonight. Um, you know, I wish the women weren't playing at the same time, so I'd like to see how they do against Wake Forest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we'll find out a little bit about both teams uh, significantly tonight in these games. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Mike, we'll, uh, we'll keep our ears open. You uh, keep uh, your ears open and the, the tea leaves, and we'll see if there's something by Friday or next week for, uh, for Nebraska. Thanks for having me, and I, I probably agree with most of what uh, Jimmy Walden says. <laughs> Mike, you're the best. Appreciate you much. Thanks again. Take care. There he is, Mike Babcock with his historian, author, Hall of Famer, and uh, exclusively with Hale Varsity, Mr. Husker football right there. So hurry up and be patient, Elijah. Got to be patient uh, with that golf swing or that putt, uh, the buffet line on Thanksgiving. I mean, all things. Mike Shuhart's going to be with us next. We'll get Shuey's take on Tiger. Well, Shuhart is now officially listed as Golf Digest top coaches in the state of Nebraska. Well, of course he is. Just go, go, go to him and, and find out why he's next. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome into, uh, as we know this time of year, we're going to watch a Christmas story. And the old man's going to say it's a major award with the the, the lamp, the leg lamp. Uh, A little bit better than that is being named... uh, 
to Golf Digest's best teachers in every state. We say hi. We've always known it. But uh, now there's the uh, the award to go with what you knew. Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, congrats on the honor, bud. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. That was uh, that was a surprise. I just found that out yesterday. So um, pretty honored. Pretty cool group of guys that are on that list. So uh, pretty fortunate to be on there. Well, you're you're really awesome at what you do, uh, as well as being a great golf teacher. How are you as an offensive coordinator? I'm asking for the state. Uh, I don't think it's really that difficult in the sense that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do now being able to implement it. That's a little more difficult, but I mean, it just, it just, it's the thing that's been bothering me for, I don't know how long, but it's like, I just don't understand what is their reluctance to play football the way that they basically built their brand. Instead, they think they need to play a different way than what they've always played that made them successful, and they get beat by everybody's doing exactly what they did in the 90s, forever. I don't get it. It's just mind-boggling to me. We'll see if it shifts around. What's your read on things, being, uh, uh, being a coach like you are and also being a, a university coach as long as you, you were? What, what's your uh, take on this timeline here and – lack of any names right now i don't know it's a little bit i'm i'm very confident they have their things positioned like they need to i mean it's a really crazy and difficult time because you got recruiting you got the early signing period coming up you're out trying to recruit you got coaches i'm sure that you are interested in trying to get but can you actually contact them i mean they're still they're still playing some of them so it's like, and some of the guys that you want, you know, are they even interested in coming? So, I mean, I, I don't envy those guys at all. I mean, that is going to be a difficult thing. And, I mean, they have to they, they have to know what it is they're trying to do, what they want to do, and they have to find the right fit that, that helps them achieve that, you know. And it's not just being able to be a good offense, you know, a coordinator or a special teams coach or an offensive line coach. I mean, you got to be a good recruiter. you got to be a good communicator. you got to be a great developer, you know. So, I mean, those guys just don't fall out of trees. Well, yeah, Mike, I, I think that's why we're seeing these crazy numbers being thrown around this year in the college football carousel when you're talking 10-year contracts worth $100 million. And, and when you see that, Mike, do you think that you got into the wrong profession? Because part of me thinks I did. No kidding. <laughs> I, I definitely did. It's like, that's... That's insane. I just don't it, – it's mind-boggling to me. You're going to pay these guys that kind of money. It's like, where's the money come for your staff then? I mean, you've got to pay your staff something. It's like, I don't I, – it's, it's crazy. I mean, geez, they have a lot of booster money, I guess. Should we get a switch gears uh, takeaway from Tiger Woods? I had a pretty good run. That's uh, a pretty – impressionable quote from Tiger as he sat down and uh, he's very thankful with his rebuilt right leg. Uh, What do you make of Tiger moving forward? He'll still show up to some of the big ones, but from a competitiveness standpoint, you know how he's wired, but we now truly, it feels like, have um, Tiger laying out that his expectation, his bar has got to change. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he had mentioned that in his thing, that he'll never be number one in the world. But he also said that doesn't mean I can't win a tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll never be number one in the world because he can't play enough. That, that's why he'll never be number one. He's not going to play enough events. He's not going to be able to play a full schedule. So now he's changing his gears and seeing, you know, he's going to pick and choose his, I don't know how many, five tournaments, mm-hmm. three, five, six. You know, that's all going to depend on his health and his stamina and things like that. But, you know, if he, if he picks the right five tournaments, that, that dude is so good. You know, he, he could win at any time. I mean, I watched that, that clip they had of him when he was out practicing. Man, that looks so good. And that's, that's a guy on a rebuilt leg and a back. And, I mean, he's, he looks as good as ever. Now, does he have the stamina uh, for four days? That's going to be another thing. Chewy, what 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 would it take? What does it take, stamina wise, at his age? And he's still in in really good shape, obviously, notwithstanding the the, the horrific accident. But what what does it take to to be in contention, be and and challenge? Uh, a a run to, to, to be a top tenner? Well, I mean, especially in today's game, he's going to have to pick the right golf course that kind of suits his game. Most of them do, but obviously in today's game, it's so powerful. The guys hit it so far. So he's got to pick a golf course that he's not trying to overpower a golf course or match what some of these other guys do. So his precision is going to be a reward, like a, a Hilton Head, uh, Colonial, courses like that that are you, you power is not of the utmost um, advantage on those golf courses. So just finding courses that fit what he's able to do now and maximize that, um, you know, he's not going to be able to go tee it up at a course that is a bomber's golf course because I'm sure he doesn't have that, especially for four days putting that much pressure and torque and um, just the walking, you know. Uh, he's got to find the right golf course that fits his game, and uh, he has to be sharp when he goes into the event. And in his stamina, basically more of his body, can his body hold up uh, for that length of time? Mike, before we get you out of here, I, I got to ask you about the match because you called it Brooks Kepka beating Bryson DeChambeau despite the fact that Bryson was the, was the Vegas favorite. You called it. What what insight did you have there? I, Brooks is a little more calm, and uh, he was going to beat him, and Bryson is a little more show. You know, he was he's out there for the show, putting on a show, and it, if he got on a roll, he would have been pretty tough. Brooks is too consistent. I mean, he's a He's not as much of a showman as he is. He's a competitor, and he's he's playing to beating, you know. And uh, I, I just his game is more consistent throughout his whole game and what he does, you know. But again, Bryson can get on a roll, and he could be fabulous day in and day out. Though Brooks is way more consistent uh, in in everything that he does. So I, I just figured that that would win out in the long run. Shuey, about 20 seconds, bud. How are things? And is the golf course busy the next couple of days? Oh, my gosh. 
you were talking earlier about the Christmas story. That's going to be like a Christmas golf story this year. <laughs> we'll be playing golf on Christmas. I hope so, man. Instead of getting the sleigh out, you got to get your golf clubs out. It's been awesome. I mean, the weather's been fantastic. Uh, people are playing like crazy, and they should be. I mean, we don't get this weather very often this time of the year, so enjoying it. Well, go see Santa Shuey. Get that membership to Wilderness Ridge, the swim-up bar this spring and summer. Shuey, we'll talk next week, bud. Thanks for jumping in. You bet. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr and now back to hail varsity radio winding down this first hour jim walton gentleman jim longtime coach iowa state washington state nebraska his take on the carousel and the moves frost must make uh, big picture ceo and of course yes the hires andy markowski the pride of ord Husker basketball standout to his daughter, Alexis Markowski, doing awesome things at an early age for the Husker women. So we'll have a take on uh, Nebraska men's and women's. They tip off at 6. I think ESPNU tonight for the the men. I think the women are on. Is it ESPN Plus or BT? I got to double check that, but uh, long and short. So let's stay uh, with kind of an Iowa State theme with Jim Walden. What's your take here on, on Coach Campbell? I know Notre Dame said they're going to be patient for the right guy. We talked to Kaz yesterday about the Irish and where they go, and Fickle's it. Fickle's got to be it. You got If you really like the guy and you think you can get the guy, then be patient for him. That said, if you're Matt Campbell, are you just going to kind of bide your time for the next round? Because I'm shocked, and, and his season wasn't great. They weren't horrible, but they weren't nine and two, ten and two, nine and three, top ten. They they didn't live up to to the expectations this year. A lot of close ball games they lost, and Iowa State's done it with a lot of development and some sprinkled in really good players. If I'm Coach Campbell. I would expect I would have expected in a year in an era where LSU, OU, Notre Dame, SC, Washington, and Florida are open, he'd be one of the names off the board. See ya. Peace out, Ames. Not the case right now. Now we know Oklahoma's still open, we know Notre Dame's still open, SC, Washington, Florida, LSU are filled. So you got Fickle, Campbell. Those those are the names. But man, I'm I'm shocked that if we could have foreseen into the future with all of these openings, Campbell's still at Iowa State. Yeah, but is he worth a ten year hundred million dollar contract? We don't know enough with him yet. Well the, that the, that's the problem, is that that's what we're at right now in this in this coaching career. But it's so no it's, different you, you than, the than the nine million dollar 
electric fence Doberman filled yard buyout that Iowa State put in in his contract. You have to pay a hell of a lot to get him out anyway, not $100 million, but two years ago, you were going to have to pay through the nose to get him out. And at the moment, there's better names than, than Matt Campbell for these, these big schools. I like Matt Campbell. There's better seasons to go with a name than, than Campbell, but I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see two guys here in a year with what is, what is going to be open. Okay, it's also incredible here whenever you look at Iowa State and the talent they returned to this team this year and the results that didn't follow. So I wonder if that soured some teams off of Matt Campbell this offseason. Maybe teams that were thinking that'd be a good option for us come this offseason saw how the season panned out and went, you know what, I think we can go elsewhere. Well, I think you've got the old Cincinnati proof in the pudding, too. Mm-hmm. D'Antonio wins at Cincy, kills it at Sparty. Kelly wins at Cincy, does really well at Notre Dame. Luke Fickle wins at Cincy, playoff bound potentially. And then does he make the jump? Hour two coming up. Jim Walden, Andy Markowski, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into an hour two at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time to get caught up and get the reaction to the coaching carousel and some insight on the Big Red. Uh, the gentleman, a longtime coach with Coach Devetti and Hall of Fame coach with Iowa State and Washington State, Jim Walden back with us. Coach, is your piggy bank uh, screaming at you? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm glad. I, I wish I was a little younger, but I, that would make me sound, you know, you'd like to be 20 years younger, but I say, hell, who wouldn't? You know, so, uh, but I laughed today. I was talking with a friend of mine, Smitty, and we we're talking about Jake Dickert, who just got the head job at Washington State. And um, we laughed about that his first year salary might. Number one is probably going to exceed my 31 years of coaching. And then we laughed. He says, well, we don't know what he's going to make, but there's rumors around the $2 million mm-hmm. shot. The last guy was being paid three. And I said, well, you know, we've come a long way since my first job at Washington State. I was making 42000 <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's the same school. Pretty much the same agenda. Not a lot's changed. I mean, a lot better facilities by far, of course. Mm. But in reality, let's think about that. From 1978 to 2021, it's gone from the head coach at that same school at 42000 That's exactly what I made. No other. And, not, and I didn't have a – you know what amazes me, too? We'll get off this. I know you got other stuff. But not only do they get 3 and $4 million to $11 million contract. Then they have incentives, which is, drives me crazy. It's like, well, wait a minute now. So if you get a, the X number of guys graduate, or if you get to a bowl game, well, that's what you're supposed to do when you're making that kind of money. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I went from it's gone from and from 1978 to 2021, it's gone from 42,000 flat rate. That was no other incentives. 42,000 to 3.3 million. Same school. 
That's amazing. Well, it's been a crazy week, and I want to start off with a little Nebraska thought. And mm-hmm. right now, Coach Frost is trying to to fill out his his four openings, and we'll see where where it goes. Uh, Mickey Joseph's the, the the popular name. You remember Mickey, uh, quarterback in for Nebraska. He's done an amazing job at at LSU, and of course with the shakeup down there on the Bayou. Uh, if you're Coach Kelly, I think you're crazy not to find a way to keep a, a guy that's true in true New Orleans to keep that state locked down. But if you're Coach right. Frost, Coach Walden, you know what what is your your pitch? What's your what's your uh, what's your ace, so to so to speak, up your sleeve? Because you're really coaching for your job next year. Yeah, and that makes it really hard, uh, Schmitty. I don't know. Did he release those guys themselves, or did they choose to leave? No, I he, wanted to think he got he he cut them loose, and he cut them loose oh. uh, with with two games left in the season. So it wasn't even end of the year deal. Okay. Um, well, here's my feeling. I think it's going to be real tough for him to find. If I were him, I would I would look really hard at some quality coaches who are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Now you say, that sounds silly. You bring in losers. No, coaches aren't losers. They're one of eight people, just like, let's say, the offensive coordinator at USC. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a really good football coach. He was here at Washington State. He was one of uh, uh, Mike Leach's guys. He was a quarterback at Texas Tech. I have to know and think he's a really good coach. Well, right now, he's out of work. You're going to appeal to someone like that the one-year thing is not going to scare him. He's out of work. Mm-hmm. So if I were Frosty, I'd look really hard. And you just mentioned one right down there at LSU. And, it, and I promise you, you're on the right track. That's how I feel about a lot of these guys that are at these schools that are being released. released. Notre Dame, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma. I mean, that's the places I would go and look because – they're not afraid to walk into a one-year deal and help it get better because the rewards are, if it happens, they're going to be highly rewarded. If it doesn't happen, they've been off the breadline for one year. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's where I would go if I were him. Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what did you do? How did you approach things, that first staff you put together and then that second staff you put together did you have to make some hard calls between friendships versus the best coach available? Uh, how did you, how did you put that together? Well, it was a little harder, and I mean, it's not easy. I don't care what I'm about to say; it doesn't make it any less mm-hmm. uh, difficult. But the thing that's a little bit easier today for the head coaches, Smith, in my opinion, mm-hmm. when you're paying a guy anywhere from seven hundred thousand to a million one. Or even five hundred thousand to to eight hundred thousand, and you've had him on your staff for four years or eight years. You have been real strong and beneficial to that young man. You have put lots of money in his pocket. In my day, when you took an assistant coach off and fired him, he probably wasn't making forty five thousand or thirty two thousand, and and there was I mean it it hurt. And don't give me that crap that well that was way back in the time when the dollar was bigger. Bull crap. I mean, it, 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 there was some of that, but the, you're cutting a guy out of a, 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 a lot. You've paid him so much more today 
than the end. So I don't think it's quite as hard as it used to be because they have been well paid. But it doesn't make it any easier. Uh, but, yeah, but sometimes it creates an environment of excitement in your staff. Well, the one just left, and you as a head coach, you're, you're hearing new ideas, you're hearing new things, uh, you're, you think you know a lot of things that you've been doing, and all of a sudden two of your guys come in and tell you, well, we did this, and you went, wow, I wish I'd have thought of that. So there's some real positives about uh, putting together a new staff and hearing new ideas and moving forward with that. How is Coach Devaney – when it came to listening to new ideas, whether you've been coaching 15 years or five months? Oh, he was wonderful. Um, I, I always used to think that was his, one of his greatest assets. Uh, one was his competitiveness. He had a fire in his belly when things weren't going right, man, and you know about it too. But, uh, but, uh, but he had a great knack for listening. And uh, a wonderful night. He'd come up and walk and talk up. Uh, just walk up to you on the field and ask you a question about something. Why did somebody do it? What are you doing that for? And even when it wasn't in the meeting room, he just said, well, Coach, we're doing this. We're taking that outside backer and following him underneath because they run this play. And you'd see him kind of t- put his hand on his chin and say, my God, you know. And, but you always appreciate the fact that he was asking and listening. And in meetings, is the same way. He didn't want to dominate the thing. He was there to make the final decision. But he was really good at listening to and listening to anybody. It wasn't just a – I will never forget when I came up from Amory High School, my first – I was in the room with them, and I realized about in about three days they covered everything I knew. But we were talking about audibles. And I said, well, here's what I did. We just did this. We just repeated the number, and then the next number was – was a hot call. And he said, that's good. And they debated it, and by God, they used it. So, I mean, it's like, that's how I knew I was working with the right guy. From a delegation standpoint, uh, Coach had high expectations with all his coaches and his kids. But from the CEO aspect, and that's something that Coach Frost is going to need to move more towards versus being so hands-on, yet you're the head coach, so it is your your result. It's your baby, so to speak. So with, with, with Coach Devaney, Coach Walden, did, did, did he just give assignments and then kind of go over things in the meeting room? How, how did he delegate? Well, everybody knew what their job were, was uh, come, uh, come Saturday. I mean, Tom Osborne was going to call the plays, uh, and Carl Selmer and Cleet, we're going to be part of the in, involvement of uh, Cleet was upstairs and Tom was upstairs and they communicated. Mike was downstairs, but Tom pretty much uh, was the guy that was going to call the play. Uh, and Coach Devaney knew that. He would meet, Coach Devaney would meet with Tom when Tom met with the quarterback so that he was aware of what was being told to the quarterback, what checks you had, what plays you could get out of. So he was in the loop all the time. But Tom did the job there. And I think to his credit, even with Frost, you're talking about giving that up. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Smitty, Tom never did give that up. No, he didn't. I think he, and, and, and so it's not like you can't be successful. In fact, sometimes, I mean, I never gave it up. I call the plays the whole, all 17 years I was a head coach. Uh, I used to sometimes wish I weren't so I could get more involved with the defense and listen to what they were doing, but that just not, didn't work out because my coaches didn't want me to give it up. 
but and the same thing with Tom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I think Frost can do it. And I'll say this right now. I watched a half a dozen games this year at Nebraska, and I truly would love to say to him, and I'll say it to him if I ever got a chance, don't punish your coaches too badly because I've never seen a team where it's players, the players shot themselves in the foot so much. And and so much of that Smitty is stuff you can't coach them out of. I mean, to to get, to fumble a putt, uh, to get a punt blocked. Uh, somebody forgets to, you know, you can say, well, they forgot to block this and this and that and the other. Well, okay, that's fine. But Nebraska made a ton of little mistakes that cost them at least, I'm going to say at least four, maybe five football games that you just don't expect to see that kind of thing happen. And so in some ways, they're on the right track. They just got to stop making kill yourself plays. Jim, I mean, you kind of got into the question I want to ask you next, and that's how, how much can a, a crop of new assistant coaches uh, be able to change this team in only one offseason? Does it more come down to, to what the coaches are teaching or what the players are just doing on the field? Well, I don't think you have to change too much. I'm of the opinion when you look at their overall season, start off with Illinois. They made enough mistakes just against Illinois. And that what happened, it just seemed like it never quit. Okay, well, let's get that stopped. It's not a matter are we tackling poorly? Are we running the ball terrible? Are we throwing a lot of crappy passes? No, that wasn't the case. It was the little things, a stupid mistake, a uh, fall down, uh, uh, just stuff that you would not think would happen. If you go back through those films and tapes and you look and you'd say, my God, how many mistakes can we make in key situations? And then uh, unsportsmanlike shift conduct, a jump off side. These little things in crisis moments can come home to haunt you. And I, I swear, I never saw a team do that. You ask the question, how do you stop it? You go out and you work and you spend you become more conditioned to the fact that, guys, you're getting it done. They just got to clean up your mental approach, believe in yourselves, and stop with the silly mistakes. That's what's killing them. If they can eliminate the silly mistakes, they'll be a good, pretty good football team next year, I really believe. Jim Walden's with us here of our city radio coach. We'll wind down with the carousel. And uh, what what is shocked you? What's your read and reaction to – Lincoln Riley headed to the, the, the Pac-12. I know OU's not happy with him. I don't think there's a bridge left in Norman. Uh, and uh, you have uh, G- uh, Brian Kelly headed down to LSU, which means OU and Notre Dame are open. You think old Matty Campbell makes, uh, makes a jump from Iowa State? Well, I'll start with Matt. I, I don't know if Matt's going to go or not. Um, I hope he doesn't. Boy, the hardest thing you've ever done, and Lincoln Riley may soon be going to figure that out. Don't leave where they love you, man. <laughs> when you're making a ton of money at a school, you know you could that a nine-win season is almost guaranteed. Not that I think that's the case at Oklahoma, but when you look at Oklahoma's history, they've been up into that range a long time, and they like this guy down there. And the reason they and and they don't particularly like, I agree with you. Oklahoma's not used to being told you're second best. Uh, you don't leave Oklahoma and go anywhere, maybe to the pros, but uh, it just happened. So I hope he better do a good job at USC because he won't be able to go back to Oklahoma anytime soon. But 
I, 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 I'm, I'm just astounded, Smitty, at the amount of money these people are throwing around. I, that's the dumbest, overwhelming contract I've ever seen. So uh, I don't know how to even express it. Maybe it's just stupid. Uh, sometimes uh, my dad used to say he's got more money than he's got sense. And uh, <laughs> our brains, whatever, say, I think that might qualify for USC. Uh, again, it's the same thing. Did you think you'd ever live long enough to see a guy leave Notre Dame successful, winning his coach in history, and go to L.A.? Leave, leave Notre Dame, go to LSU. Leave Oklahoma and go to USC. These are places you don't leave. You live your whole life trying to get to be a coach at one of those schools. So, um, but, again, I would say to Matt Campbell, they love him in Iowa State. He's done a remarkable job. And, boy, think, think hard and long about leaving places where they love you. And uh, that's all I can say. They're all making good money. It's hard to turn it down. But uh, it's some strange things I never in my lifetime. I guess I'm glad I've lived long enough, you know, to see this. But I never thought I'd ever live to see somebody leave Oklahoma and Notre Dame to go to other schools. Jim Walton with us, coach, Washington State, uh, Iowa State. And, of course, a longtime assistant for Coach Devaney. Coach, it's so much fun to get caught up with you, get your perspective, talk some ball. We'll do this again here as we get closer to bowl season. And thanks for giving us a few minutes. Glad to do it. You guys have a wonderful Christmas season, okay? We'll do, Coach. You and the family the same. All right. Jimmy Walden right there. The gentleman will hit some hoops next. Andy Markowski on the way. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio. A big uh, night for Nebraska men's and women's basketball. We bring on the pride of Ord. Husker basketball standout Andy Markowski with us at Markowski underscore Andy on Twitter is where you find him. Andy, how many uh, freshmen of the week, uh, well, awards uh, have, have you won? That would be zero, Smitty. So I was I was lucky to, to score a basket as a freshman. So um, that uh, feels like a long time ago. I was just happy to sniff the court those years. Well, I uh, I think you're you're probably pretty happy of uh, with uh, with Alexis, man. What what a what a start to her career she's had. Yeah, she's having a lot of fun. You know, they they've got a really talented group, and you know, off to a great start. So you know, she's a great teammate, happy to to contribute. And, um, you know, hopefully they can keep things going with a with a tough game against Wake Forest tonight. We'll uh, we'll hit Wake in in uh, Nebraska in a minute. 
Eddie, what's what's been your read here? I know Nebraska's put some wins together for the men. Big challenge, uh, Big Ten ACC showdown tonight. I know NC State's favored. As you've looked at this game a little bit here, uh, wh- what are some of your impressions about NC State? I know Tip's coming up here in less than an hour. Yeah, I don't think it's a terrible matchup uh, for Nebraska. I mean, NC State is, uh, you know, fairly long, athletic, uh, you know, likes to pressure defensively, which I think fits us, you know, pretty well. I mean, our, our team is pretty athletic. Um, you know, there's times where we can have multiple ball handlers out on the court. Um, you know, right now we're averaging only 10 turnovers uh, a game, so we're, we're doing a pretty good job of taking care of the ball. Uh, their front line is, is uh, not – you know, real stout. It's it's six eight. I think you know two hundred and and six eleven two and a quarter. So it's not like you're playing a real physical team that is going to just maul you on the backboard. They'll do it with with more athleticism than they do just brute strength. So I think that fits as well. And you know, really it comes down to us. You know, how, how we can play offensively. Our you know our three point percentage. We're only making six a game, and we're under thirty percent. Um, you know, those numbers have to improve if this team is going to be able to, to go on the road and, and beat, you know, not only ACC teams, but Big Ten teams. Yeah, and you talk about the, the three-point shooting percentage, and so far this year it's really felt like there's been a lid on the basket from uh, three-point land, but it almost felt like the team started to, to turn a bit of a corner last game from Kisei Tomonaga. He was getting hot from three, uh, and it kind of felt like the team was feeding off of his confidence. Do you think that, that the three-point shooting was – can and will continue, or, or do you think that it's almost it's law of averages, and eventually they'll start shooting the ball better? Yeah, I think we have good shooters. I mean, you know, sometimes you just you, you don't have good shooters, and you know, you expect it to go in, and it, it never does. I, I, I do think uh, we have uh, you know players that can make you know open threes, can make uh, you know unbalanced contested threes, or it comes from like an inside out uh, penetration or rebound kick out. Um, so I do think that will improve, um, you know, because this team is is never going to be a great team, you know, on the backboard to get extra possessions. So we're going to have to win the three point line. Um, so I, I I do think uh, you know that that will improve even with scouting and defenses getting better. I, I think we are getting you know the the right look at the right time. We're still taking five to six, I think, bad threes, whether it be off balance or we're kind of fading away threes that. You know, you need to eliminate and make sure that, you know, you're just taking the open three, which is hard enough to, to make at a college level. But, um, you know, right now we're giving up ten threes a game and only getting six. And I, I would have never guessed that to be the case going into the season. I, I thought we could win the, the, the games, uh, most games, from the, you know, at the three-point line, at least have that be a stat uh, category that, that, you know, before the game started, you thought you could win against both teams that we'd play on our schedule. So Nebraska's got to be better at closeouts and at rotations and communications and in just guarding the three. Docs, uh, I know, had a little bit of a different role, but he's still kind of your defensive mind. You know, what What do you uh, anticipate has gone on as they've geared up for this, this game tonight? Have they, do you anticipate they put in some extra time at, at guarding that three? I mean, that's got to be part of the plan, correct, to, to take away some of those shots, those looks those momentum swings, those big threes that teams have seemingly hit all season on Nebraska? Yeah, well, um, I don't think they're going to change their, their defensive philosophy. Uh, you know, they don't have a rim protector. Um, so, you know, they play a very gap-oriented defense. Um, so they do give up a lot of threes. Unfortunately for them, teams have, have made a lot. But if you look at the other side of it, um, I think we're top one or two in the conference in fouling. Um, and then we're top – 
you know, two or three in the conference in terms of what teams are getting from the free throw line against us. So, we're, we're, you know, by being soft, you're giving up a little bit for the three-point line, but you're also, you know, protecting the lane and playing to your strengths in terms of not really having a, you know, 6'10", 6'11", front line that can really protect the rim. So, yeah, I don't think their philosophy is going to change. You know, I think in scouting, as this team matures, you have to understand who to get to um, to make sure that we're running the really good shooters off the three-point line and making them do something that maybe they're not as comfortable as doing. Um, up to this point, our, I don't think our scouting has been as good. We've, we've left you know, key shooters open in transition. Uh, we've left some key shooters open on rotation where maybe you should have you know, faked that one guy and got over to the better shooter of the two. You know, just, just breakdowns like that that I think through scouting and through you know, just game minutes with with a fairly young team, um, you know, can help them maybe, you know, r- run some of the better shooters off the three-point line. But in general, we're going to give up a lot of threes just because that's the style that, that you know, not only did Doc, you know, incorporate, uh, but that's the, the, the system that they have in place this season as well. Well, Andy, another problem on top of just the open shooters has been the fact that it feels like about half the time that those three-pointers are missed, they're getting pulled down for an offensive rebound and an easy two. Have you seen any development uh, on the defensive rebounding side of things for the Huskers team since they're, I mean, we we saw how badly they struggled early in the season. Have you seen any progress since then? Yeah, I, I have. I, I think there's been a, a greater attention to it. You know, Western Illinois really, you know, embarrassed them and exposed them. Um, you know, but but once again, you you can you can practice rebounding all you want, and and sometimes it comes down to you know size, length, athleticism. Um, you know, things that that we have enough of to to um, to to compete on the backboard. I think we're minus five right now against you know inferior competition to what we're going to see in the Big Ten. So they're going to still have to have an attention to that. You know, I don't know if we're going to out-rebound the best, you know, rebounding teams in the Big Ten, but, you know, you, you can't give up, you know, minus 12, minus 15. Uh, you know, we're not creating enough turnovers and, and finding another, another areas of the stat sheet to win those games if we're getting out-rebounded by double-digit margin. So I have seen a greater attention to it, a greater effort. Uh, from the guys, but but still an area to, you know, as you mentioned, that they're going to have to keep getting better at it and compete night in and night out if they want to be successful. What's the ask tonight for, for Bryce McGowan's? What, what's he need to do? Same with Verge. Who are a couple of keys in your mind for a, for a win on the road? Yeah, they, you know, I mean, Bryce has, has had a really good start to his career. I, I, I think sometimes fans have an unrealistic expectation when you start hearing five-star and lottery pick, um, you know, a lot of that is, is bank on potential, right? And they're looking at a 22 to 25-year-old, what is their ceiling? But, you know, Bryce has really found, you know, different ways to score. He just has to keep playing, you know, within himself, finding spots to, to get to the free throw line, don't settle for, for threes. He's, he's, a, he's an okay three-point shooter right now, but he's much better for this team when he, when he attacks and gets to the rim and draws fouls, gets teams into the bonus. So he needs to, you know, he needs to be good. He's, he's obviously one of our better players. Verge and Webster have to figure out uh, kind of how to coexist, right? I mean, Webster tends to come in and and distribute more, um, but yet isn't the offensive uh, threat that Verge is in terms of getting downhill and, and creating maybe some help situations to get some of our three-point shooter shots. Um, but you know, this is a collaborative effort. Nebraska continues to need some bench support. You know they need Lat Lion to get going a little bit. Um, you know they they need contributions from a lot of a lot of people to be able to go on the road and beat a you know an okay ACC team. NC State you know has been around 500 the last two or three years. 
Um, I think we're five and five in the ACC Big Ten Challenge because we get teams that are a lot like us. So I, I think if we can go in and and you know shore up the backboard and 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 be efficient from the three point line without turning it over, this is a game that that we have a chance to be competitive and uh, you know compete down the last couple minutes and and win a close game. Eddie, let's flip over to the women as uh, Nebraska is at Wake Forest. Some impressions here as this team's kind of continued to, to climb and, and a perfect uh, mark for, for both teams. Uh, give me a, a, a quick thought on what needs to happen tonight for Coach Williams and the crew as, as Wake's uh, pretty athletic, pretty fast basketball team. Yeah, Wake is really good. Um, Long, uh, they have Spears, which was a, a freshman of the year in the ACC and on the USA uh, you know, under-19 team. Um, so she'll be a handful. Uh, but the great thing about Coach Williams and her team, um, they've won a lot of different ways. Uh, they had two tough uh, neutral or you know road games in, in California. One was a neutral, uh, the other was you know on San Diego's home court. They're not playing their best basketball. Um, born is he born? Uh, you know, was an All uh, Big Ten contributor last year. Has not uh, been consistent enough for him. And, and Haby has been in and out with the knee injury. She's been solid in the fourth quarter of Creighton and in the San Diego game. So. The fact that they're 7-0, and in my opinion, two of their better players haven't been at the top of their game. Um, you know, they'll, they'll need to be better tonight. Jess Shelley is going to have to continually be good like she's been up to this point. And, you know, it, it's a game that, you know, on paper, we're probably underdog going on the road against the team that was in the NCAA tournament a year ago. But, you know, if we can be competitive or find a way to win this game, I think it's going to tell you that, that the women's team is pretty good. You know, what's what's this team's strength? If you had to pinpoint one attribute or label for for the women's uh, team this early in the year, what stuck out to you? Well, they're really versatile. They, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of different style of players that, that you can kind of mix and match through how, how a game is being played or a certain style or a certain matchup. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep playing 13 players, you know, all season, but that just tells you the depth and the versatility that they have, that 13 have really played, you know, even in competitive games, Amy's been able to get 13 players into the game. So, you know, I think that they're a team. They understand their roles. They play for each other. Um, they're hungry. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a pretty competitive group. Um, so, you know, I think all those things have allowed them to, to get off to a good start. But they, gotta, they have to keep improving as the schedule you know, not only is it Wake Forest tonight, they go, you know, at Minnesota on Monday, which is their first conference game, which is never, you know, an easy place to, to start um, on the on the conference road. So they, they have some tough games coming up. But, you know, so far they uh, their versatility and just their, their togetherness and toughness, I think, has separated them from their competition. Andy Markowski, the pride of Ord, Husker basketball standout. Andy, awesome to get your, your breakdown and some thoughts. Thanks for joining us today, bud. All right. Thanks, Chris. Eddie Markowski with us, Hale Varsity Radio, winding down, getting ready for Nebraska and NC State, Nebraska and Wake Forest, uh, men's and women's basketball tonight. Uh, Jock Docs on the way, loaded show for you today, and we'll tell you about Thursday on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, and Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how's your how's your week going? Good to spend time with you. Absolutely. You too, Chris. It's going good so far. This weather's fantastic. That is code for you and I need to, to converge and, and uh, find a way to go swing the clubs. I don't know if it can happen for either of us, man, but... Uh, we need to try and make it work, though. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I don't know how... Uh, how Aaron Rodgers is going to be off the tee box with that bum foot, but let's spend a little bit of, bit of time here on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we're a week removed from uh, him plopping his foot up uh, in front of the um, uh, the camera. <laughs> Look, my foot, my foot's messed up, but uh, they held on last weekend. But give me your your synopsis here on on what Aaron Rodgers is going through with his foot and and long term potential injury here how do you how do you look at him moving forward this season yeah so i mean these fractures of the foot uh that pinky toe certainly um can be kind of a long-standing type of nagging injury the good thing is though is that very rarely do these um types of injuries ever need like a surgical fix or anything like that sometimes they'll actually have to put it back into alignment but um, usually they stay in place. You can even buddy tape them like you do with a finger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you basically wait for them to heal. Um, but if you've ever heard of anything like turf toe or some of these nagging toe and foot injuries, they can last a long time and certainly cause some functional issues. But, but the good news is that it will heal and uneventfully he should be able to get back to all activities. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Aaron Rodgers, and uh, you look at, at what he's going through with that uh, that pinky toe and uh, the fracture there. I think of, of turf toe, and I think of some really horrible cases where you can't believe guys played through it. This is a little different. What is... Um, What's the pain tolerance got to be for a guy like Aaron Rodgers? And are we looking at something that's going to con- that, that will eventually affect his mobility the more he's on his on his feet? Because that's what's so special about him: his arm talent, his intellect, and he is so mobile. I mean, he is he's just so good at at, at staying alive in the pocket. He's really great at doing it. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that sets him apart you know, along or from a lot of the quarterbacks in the league. And so, um, you know, he's certainly going to know about it from a stance standpoint, from throwing, um, planting. Um, it's certainly going to be problematic as this takes six to eight weeks to heal. Um, you know, and he's a little bit at a disadvantage because he's in the season. And so it's going to be hard for him to sit out for a six to eight weeks. So he's probably going to go back and, you know, he certainly will irritate it, but, 
uh, you know, he's a type of guy that I think will just continue to play through it. He's tough as nails. And so um, I don't think we'll notice whether he's having much of an issue on it at all. Dr. Ben, you know, during the week, what's what's the practice regiment like? How much is Aaron Rodgers going to be on his feet and off of his feet as he as he has to stay sharp and ready for Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. If I were speculating on what the team docs were doing, I would say they probably won't have him do much contact or running at all. They'll probably keep him off his feet as much as possible, let him rest, let him let it chill out and kind of um, heal as much as it can, um, and then let him let him be ready for game time. You know, he's certainly going to be taking mental snaps, um, film and all that, but I would imagine the physical activity that he's going to be doing is kind of kept to a minimum. That makes uh, a lot of sense. And have you ever had to do or know anyone that's done a surgical intervention on a situation like this? You know, it's pretty uncommon on a pinky toe. Um, You know, if it's a bigger toe or if it's pointing completely in the opposite direction, you know, sometimes the foot and ankle surgeons will actually have to put a pin across it or a screw across it. It's really not as common. Sometimes, you know, like in the turf toe type of incidents, you can certainly have some ligament issues that sometimes will have to rarely be taken care of. Um, but really the issue with a lot of these injuries, it's a time thing. And if, if you talk to anybody that's ever had a turf toe injury, I mean, it can be, it can be debilitating for quite a bit of time. So um, that's, I think, his biggest issue is that he's always on his feet. Um, you're never really getting to rest that much. And so, you know, it really is just letting that, letting that injury scar in and heal and gradually get back to normal. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. A few more minutes here on Aaron Rodgers, a, a jock doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Do we know for sure how this happened? Because it was during COVID he he had this injury. Didn't is That's when it happened, right? The, the, the pinky toe during the, the COVID uh, quarantine. From what I understood, yeah, and that's that's why I know some speculation that he had a COVID toe, you know, that you hear about. But, um, you know, I don't think we exactly know when it happened. So it's as simple as it's the middle of the night. You either get up to, to use the restroom or check on the kids, and you hit the, the side of the door. I mean, are we talking one of those incidents? You know, honestly, that certainly could be one of the things that – or one of the reasons that it did happen because that's when your foot is not protected. You don't have a shoe on it. Um, you know, it's a less common injury to happen when you're actually in a shoe playing football and your foot is protected. And so it certainly could have happened at any time of the day when he's walking around the house and missed a step. Um, you know, that's a that's an injury that can happen on a regular basis. Doesn't necessarily have to be in a football game. Dr. Ben, what what are some of the testing measurements and protocol that, that the team docs are going to do uh, as they uh, continue to gauge? Rogers recovery and, and, and mobility. What are some of the tests and checking you do as a doctor to, to make sure he's good for Sunday? You know, I'm sure they got x-rays right away. And, you know, if they get an x-ray right before he goes back, just to make sure that fracture's still in alignment, but you know, Aaron's going to probably tell them that he has very little pain and he's ready to get back. And, you know, that's probably get what they're going to go by in terms of whether they let him play or not. If he can function normal, um, if they buddy tape the toes and he looks like he is at near 100%, they're probably going to let him go full throttle. So, Dr. Ben, is there an injection that can happen? Is there spray? What's some management tools? 
Yeah, so, you know, you always hear about all these steroid injections for NFL athletes, and uh, this is certainly not a situation where you would give somebody a steroid. Um, sometimes a steroid can actually impede healing a little bit. Wow. So no real area that you can actually um, inject. The fracture will heal over time. Um, but, you know, his real his, his best friend is going to be rest, ice, anti-inflammatories, and letting his body just take over for the healing process. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Aaron Rodgers and, of course, that turf toe, that fractured pinky toe. And uh, we've all bumped our, our toes one time or another. This is a whole different animal. And then you factor in those monsters off the edge. I was kind of waiting, uh, Dr. Ben, for... Uh, for Von Miller to, oops, I stepped on your toe, Aaron. I mean, that's got to be like whack-a-mole going on when he's back in the pocket, right? Those big defensive linemen trying to accidentally step on him. Absolutely, or just falling on it. Those guys are those guys are mammoths, so anything could do that. Dr. Ben, enjoy uh, your weekend. Thanks for the time today. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Good stuff from Ben Woodhead, Dr. Ben Woodhead, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Jock Doc Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers was good enough to get it done last Sunday, but this thing will no doubt linger a bit. Nebraska, NC State, the line is six and a half. We'll predict here shortly, and I don't know uh, if I'm going to go staking a beer with Elijah Herbal on this or not, because, yes, I am cowardly. I don't want to fall too many stakes and beers behind Elijah, but a couple of quick thoughts as we uh, wind down. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, NC State's favored by about six and a half. A couple of quick uh, thoughts here. Uh, NC State loves to be in your shorts and that's not a grotesque take it's they they are they're a pressure defense elijah you look shocked and stunned maybe i need to get over to rally soon right (laughs) nc state likes being in their shorts okay opponents (laughs) opponents shorts listen take care of the basketball obviously rebounding is 1a 1b 1c be good about what shots you take possessions matter Bad shots, horrible possessions, feed a crowd, you know the momentum thing. That's really it. Walker's been so good, you've been able to go through the offense with him and get better looks uh, with when, when, when you find him in the high post and he can kick. Nebraska's been good when they've hit shots, inside-out rhythm, clearly. Get a post-touch and a kick-out. 
And then you have some guys that, that can do special things with Bryce and, and even Verge. I was talking to a coach over the weekend, and he made this comment. He's like, you know the happiest guy in America is Bobby Hurley? Like, really? Why is that? Well, he doesn't have Verge on his bench anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This would be big. We'll, we'll know more about Nebraska. How do they continue to handle adversity? Because you'll face a lot of it. They could also jump out to a great start. They could play smart basketball. They could, they could out-talent NC State. It's really kind of up to them and their approach. I think the game plan is going to be nails. I don't have any doubt Fred put a good game plan together. Comes down to execution, basketball IQ, and role acceptance. So we'll we'll have some thoughts on Nebraska basketball, NC State tomorrow. More on the coaching search for Nebraska. Elijah, what'd you make of uh, Mickey Joseph's tweet that was uh, quote tweeted about five minutes ago? Well, yeah, he was uh, talking about uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Said, yeah, the culture. LSU DNA. Uh, I'll paraphrase. He said that the culture in this room is different than anywhere else. That's that's essentially what he was trying to say with his tweet, which I think is saying you're going to be staying at LSU, right? That seems like a, a recruiting tweet of sorts. Whenever you're you're talking about your own wide receiver room, uh, and you're saying, yeah, this room is different. Not this is me as a coach. I'm I'm building these players. It's saying this LSU wide receiver room is different. So that. that I, I read into that, and I don't want to read too far into it, but my initial reaction to that is, well, he's staying at LSU. What is your prediction tonight? NC State in a romp. NC State by about 10. One possession ball game. I think Nebraska probably loses by about 10 or 11. I'm going the other way. I think Nebraska wins by about 10 or 11. Seriously? NC State is not defensively. They're not a Big Ten team. They have lost their best big man in Manny Bates for the season. He's out. Uh, he had shoulder surgery. So uh, I'm going to be taking Nebraska straight up in this one to win. Uh, I, I think they have a bit of a lead. NC State gives them a scare late, but they, uh, they, I think they ice it down the stretch with free throws and win by, I'd say, somewhere in that 8 to 12 point range. Elijah Herbal. Like, is there. this hope or belief? This, the Big Ten has been pretty dominant in the ACC challenge, the Big Ten ACC challenge this year. I think it continues tonight in uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, if your heart's broken on the hardwood tonight, you blame the big kid at left tackle. Elijah Herbal says a straight up double digit win for Nebraska. Hope he's right. Have a good one tomorrow, Searles, Barney, and uh, Brandon Vogel. A Huda Media Production.